Hello, everyone, and welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. Uh, we're going to be starting in a, a, a little bit. We're just waiting for people to come in to the, to the room. Make sure you uh, tweet this out, Facebook it out, get spread the word, spread the gospel. Let's get people into this call-in. By the way, um, subscribe to our uh, Substack. That is useful uh useful idiots.substack.com you'll get great exclusive content we uh did a great uh kind of deep dive onto the uh into the twitter files and uh we really uh appreciate your joining our substack you get a, a great great content you get an extended interview every week and you get thursday throwdown which is our deep dive into media that's not on Sunday mornings. And you also get to access the absurd arena where you get to ask us questions. So let's see. We got we got people in. We got any callers? Oh, we got some listeners. So, Aaron, while, while we get people who come in to ask us questions, how was your weekend? Uh, well, it was very white loaded. Uh, you know what? So was mine. Yeah. I'm all caught think- up. Yeah. Don't want to give, we're not going to do any spoilers, but kind of intense. Oh, also, uh, almost as important as White Lotus is that we went to a uh, Julian Assange rally protest at the British Embassy. That's right. That's right. We forgot to talk about that on today's Monday morning. That's um, Yeah, that there was a rally for Julian Assange outside the British consulate uh, as uh, calls are growing from around the world. There's a new article out today in The Guardian about how the Biden administration is under more pressure from its allies to free Julian Assange. And uh, so this, you know, Roger Waters spoke. Katie, you spoke. Um, Stephen Dodziger, uh, Max Blumenthal. Ben Cohen was, of Ben and Jerry's fame. That, that's right. It was a great turnout. And, you know, this time I saw more young people than I usually do at these rallies. The, like the crowds for Assange, in my experience, at least here in New York, are older. It's, yeah. It draws an older because, you know, like the youth don't, they, you know, th- there's been such a big propaganda campaign against Julian Assange that I just think a lot of young people don't, don't really know the full story. Right. And, and have a, been given a misleading picture of him. So that was encouraging to see more young people coming out. And um, that was a great event. And, yeah. um, you know, there, there will be more because, you know, this is such, it goes without saying this is such an important issue. Um, yeah, White Lotus. I so I hadn't seen it before this weekend, so I caught up. Whoa, you binged on two seasons or one? Oh no, just just this season, just this. Okay, season. got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I caught up like start like starting last week. Um, okay, and, got it. Uh, and I so so I caught up um, in time, and I the finale was fantastic. I, th- I think it's a great show. I think it's very yeah. well done. Yeah. So, but we will not be giving. Any spoilers? Uh, no, we won't. Because, yes, no. Uh, all right, we got some calls, so Great. let's hit them. Hit it. Tariff. Or Tariff, tell me how to say it. Oh, Tarif, can you hear me? Tarif, yeah. Hi, Tarif. Oh, man, thank y'all for um, taking my call. Of course, welcome. Um... I've been following y'all for years, and uh, I'm a supporter of Julian Science, but also I'm a supporter of all of us on the planet, it being people. Um, um, to let everybody know, my name is Tyree Simon. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm a whistleblower. 
Um, if you don't mind me telling y'all my story right quick, um, I have a case. Well, I'm trying to push, trying to get the Congress to look at my case dealing with Mikey DeBakey, which is in Houston, is a VA hospital in Houston, Veteran Affairs Hospital in Houston. The water is messed up, but I think they fixed it already. I used to work for them eight years ago. I basically got ran off the job in 2014. You know, and my life been, you know, hell. But what kept me going was people like y'all, Julian Sange, for going to going toe to toe with the beast and, you know, reading the things that he was doing and other whistleblowers and, you know, uh, people standing up against the powers of B and, and by me constantly pushing Congress and the Senate to hear my case, even though I've been let down so many times by journalists who I try to get to um, um, have my, you know, write an article on my case. I was let down many a times. But thank God, like in 2016, somebody did write uh, an article. But I'm here not just to tell you about my case about Mikey DeBakey, but I'm here just to, you know, support everyone that's for truth. I'm for the Palestinians, right, that's being uh, uh, segregated against by the Israelis. I'm for the people of the continent of Africa that's finally waking up, thank God, and they're joining BRICS, things of that nature, and joining the um, Belt and Road Initiative. I'm for Central and South America. I'm for the Constitution. Uh, I'm glad Enon Musk is doing some good, even though he's trying to make it seem like it's only one way, dealing with the right wing being centered. But we all know people on the left is being central like Pepe Escobar and Gordon Nixon, um, Scott Ritter, um, and uh, the Duran. Um, matter of fact, they had left Twitter alone and other people. So I'm here and basically I'm going to ask y'all, you know, your group, if you don't mind looking into my case for me when you have time. I'm going to send you an article with the one journalist wrote on me, uh, on my case. And if y'all can do anything with it, that'd be helpful. And you never know what in a year or two, you might see me in front of Congress talking to the congressman, the congresswoman, you know? So where do we, what do we Google or f look for, for your case? Um, okay. This is what y'all, everybody can do. You can, um, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Let me open up my iPad right quick. Just to make sure it pops up. So whistleblower. Tarif Simon. T-A-R-R-E-L. Let me make sure it pops up. Okay. Here we go. Okay, if you put in Google V, um, excuse me, whistleblower Tyree Simon, T A R R E F, as in Frank, then S I M O N Simon. If you put in whistleblower Tyree Simon, it'll pop up. Like I had wrote up um, a little thing on Medium. I put something on Medium, and also the article 
while Southeast Texas Ruckets pops up as well. You can also put in, excuse me, VA whistleblower Tari Simon, and she'll pops up. That should pop up as well. In great, thanks. Okay, great. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in, letting us know. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all both. All right. All right. So we'll look into that. Thanks, Therese. Uh, Andrew, have a great day, Therese. Y'all too. Andrew. Hi, Katie and Aaron. Um, Hi. I just wanted to compliment Aaron with the tweet to Elon Musk, first of all, about, you know, it's not just the right getting banned. It's very good. Um, Definitely a point that needs to be pushed. And then I had a question. Uh, Am I right in understanding that you were – considering or are going to interview Whitney Webb at some point. Who are you talking to, me or Aaron or both of Well, us? I thought it was Useful Idiots that was going to do it. Maybe I'm confused. I thought someone said that they were... I'm, go- I'm going to. You're going to? Okay. Yeah, I have to read the books. All her, right. I saw it, uh, her um, Epstein book. So I guess the question's for you then, Katie, about adult conspiracy theory crafting or... I guess, you know, treating conspiracy theories in an adult way instead of an Alex Jones way. Um, other than the fact that she's releasing these books, is there anything about Whitney Webb particularly that makes you uh, interested and in willing to interview her specifically in terms of, I don't know, I, I'm just wondering kind of how you draw the line. I'm, I'm assuming it has nothing to do with her political partisan affiliations. You know, I would assume it has to do with the quality of her work. I don't know what you're saying. If I'm saying that I'm having her on, I, I don't really understand your question. I'm, I'm trying to, basically, I'm trying to understand where, there's a guy named Ryan Dawson that basically, I'm not going to say that she plagiarized him because I have no evidence of that whatsoever, but I do know that he reported very detailed uh, stories on Epstein from 13 years ago that are also out there. He's one of the most banned guys on the internet and no one will talk to him. No one will interview him. No one will speak to him. He's like the Scott Horton of Epstein and uh, adult conspiracy theory crafting and debunking crazy conspiracy theories that delegitimize the topic and make it taboo to talk about. So I was just wondering what your thought process was on how you decide who you're willing to talk to, because you're obviously willing to talk to Whitney Webb, but do, do you it sounds like you're saying to me, you should be interviewing this guy. Not you necessarily, but someone should be. And I just want to, it's not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or I, I just want to, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, he is banned and he's not, I don't agree with all of his views, but he's not what people call him. And there's other people that, have talked to him, but they're very small profile on the right wing. And I just, I would like, I feel like you have an open mind and I don't know how many people on the left would be willing to even engage with this guy. Um, at all. I don't, I don't know. I've never heard of him. So I have to look into him, but I, so right. I can't really comment on whether or not I'd have him on, but well, could you talk about the, pro, the, the guidelines criteria? you use for, yeah, criteria for like adult conspiracy theory crafting and talking about real things that are, you know, conspiracies do exist 
and what your guidelines are, your criteria. I don't know what adult conspiracy. I don't know what conspiracy theory crafting is either. But it's not a crafting. I, I mean, just discussing conspiracy theories that they're real. Like what Epstein is involved in was a criminal conspiracy. It's real, but it's going to be called. It's a not conspiracy, conspiracy theory. theory. It's yeah, it's a conspiracy. So uh, okay. I don't know. I guess a lot of things go into it, uh, but I. Uh, whether or not the work is interesting, whether or not people I trust recommend it. Um, that's usually the way I start off hearing about something. Right. Um, Aaron, do you have any, any guidelines that you live by when it comes to this? Yeah. If they're being factual. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah. Right. Okay. And if they, you know, if they haven't like said crazy things, if I can, if I can find someone says some things I think are crazy, I, I, then I don't trust them and I probably won't talk to them. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Unless they, oh, unless, they, <laughs> unless they have some really, you know, really super relevant experience that made that sort of um, um, negates the craziness. But uh, that's that's pretty rare. Right. OK, well, I just uh, wanted to bring that guy up. I feel like he deserves some credit and that. Uh, he said some offensive things about a lot of things, but he's like his work stands on its own. And Scott Horton has spoken to him. About like what kind of things. what kind of offensive things has he said? The way he speaks, I mean, if I could give you the worst examples, it would probably turn people off. Just because he uh, he speaks in an offensive tone, like he'll he'll use metaphors that are offensive, like throwing something in the oven. But he's not. You know, he'll go on the other hand, he'll go to Holocaust deniers and debate them and get them to realize that actually the Holocaust is real and things did happen and tries to like he'll he'll debate white supremacists. He'll actually talk to these people and get them to realize that that nonsense is bullshit. And, uh, you know, it's like I wish he wasn't offensive because I feel like it does put people off. But the, the actual things he says and argues and stands for, I mean. I feel like if Scott Horton is going to, he was willing to sit down with Ryan for hours and talk about things like nine 11 and respect his knowledge on it, then, you know, it's, it's, his work stands on his own, even though he has said some things that are offensive, but I mean, he's a, he's a native American expat that lives in Japan. I mean, he's just a, he's a right winger, you know, he's, it's culturally different. And right. so, yeah, anyway, I'll stop going on about that. But well, I think his work stands on its own. Antineocomreport.com is the website. He has a sub stack as well. I'm okay. sure you could find him. Thank okay. you for your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for the call. Okay. Neo. Katie, Aaron, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Um, we spoke, I spoke with you both a year ago on a call in. Um, I'm not going to take too much time, probably like 20 seconds here, but. Um, I told you guys I was on a journey basically to launch uh, my own YouTube channel um, inspired by certain lefty channels like yourselves, um, RBN, uh, Jimmy Dore, um, etc. Um, and so I've launched that channel now. It's called Neo's Algorithm. And I'm hoping you guys will uh, check it out. I, I started a I, I put a video out called Force the Primary 2024. And basically the. Um, the mission that I'm on is to gather um, the my favorite like lefty commentators, and also I've been going around to like the various live chats to find my friends in the various live chats that I've been talking to over the last year. Um, gathering everybody in one place behind a common ideal that we all really want to see Joe and Kamala gone in 2024, and um, getting us rallied behind a primary candidate to get that done. So. Um, 
pretty much. Who is uh, that? You could check that out. It's sorry. Who is Joan? Uh, who is Joan? Uh, I forgot the last name. Uh, like, sorry, like, Joe and Kamala. I meant Joe oh, Biden. Oh, and Kamala. oh, sorry, sorry, I, I misheard you. Yes, gotcha. So you want to primary uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Yeah, and I think that um, the only way we're going to get that done is by banding together and kind of forming a, a, a what do you call it, a, a petition in the form of a YouTube channel is is the way I'm trying to start it. So, uh, Armin Solomon and Roots Action are doing a Don't Run Joe campaign sure. on my show. But yeah. Very cool. And um, what was it? Um, so yeah, some people think from the video that I'm trying to push like Bernie 2024. And you might think that from the thumbnail, but uh, I'm just giving you a preemptive warning. I'm not pro Bernie 2024 if that guy doesn't come out of his cave like he's kind of been <laughs> you know he's been being kind of weak on things lately so um I don't mean to give that false impression anyways um I hope you guys check it out it's an eight minute video it's got over 200 views and I've got 40 plus subscribers in the first like five days or so so hope to hope to see you guys subscribe one day great what's it called neo what uh neo's algorithm all right great thanks thanks so much guys All righty. Uh, what do we got next? Hold on one second. Ah. So I was trying to share this with someone and now. Okay. Uh, G- Gator. Hey, guys. Um, I was just watching your show earlier, and I think, um, you know, with regard to the um, Brittany Griner prisoner transfer, I was just wanted to sort of get back into a bit of the framing around that because, um, f- first off, to me, I've been talking to people on here about it and some of the people <laughs> about how 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 that's been set up and, to, and framed and how people immediately respond to it. And um, uns, unsurprisingly, um, some of the people I've talked to, they just have this kind of a mainstream awareness of Britney Grinder's celebrity versus um, the world's worst uh, arms trafficker w- with no context of, 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 of actually the scale of arms trafficking and who does that. And actually it's, it's, it's a, a pretty good government racket as we know. And, um, and then also this triangular relationship or the other third party, Paul Whelan, and um, what what I'm curious about is just your take on the Paul Whelan setup, because in one way, well, the first thing about Bout is I would ask, what's the difference between Victor Bout and Barry Seal? Um, it, it, there may be very almost nothing, because as you guys pointed out, I think Bout's been engaged by the CIA in the US as a contractor in various times. Um, he may, you know, the, the Duran's opinion on Bout is that he he may well have been um, a bad dude, but in the context of um, a bigger operation uh, post the you know the Soviet collapse, it's probably it may well not not he may not have been everything that that he's been made out to be in terms of the Lord of being the Lord of War. And if he's been banged up for ten years and he's out of the network, you know, what's his political what's his true political value in the release? And that kind of would make me immediately re- think the U.S is probably not being strong-armed into this deal. So it could have said no. If it didn't think that the offers that were being made by Russia were worth it, he could have said they could have said no. Trump's now running a line apparently saying, well, we were offered something like this deal and we turned it down because no one is worth Victor about. We wouldn't give up 100 people. But um, how do you feel about the kind of the relativism of Paul Whelan? Because from what I can tell, he's a disgraced Marine, which dishonorably discharged for larceny and other criminal charges. And then um, he may have ended up being a CIA bagman, not an officer. But, and that's a, diff- that's a specific thing, because if you look into some reports of Whelan, CIA say, 
oh, when, when he went and got caught for espionage, the CIA would never have recruited him as an officer, okay, which is obviously clearly a positioning statement, but he may have just been a CIA agent asset bagman turning up in Russia to pick up a US a piece of intel, which is actually a sting operation. Now, that's not, co- that's not really being heavily covered from the stuff I'm scanning. And, but, but, but there is, a, but there is a, a line saying, Paul Whelan should have been the guy we took. Have you got particular feelings about him and also the kind of this relativism of the deal and whether the U.S. was actually strong-armed into any of this? I know nothing about his case. I haven't followed it at all. So uh, you, uh, everything you're saying there was uh, was news to me. So unfortunately, I, I, have, I have nothing to uh, offer here. But that's really interesting. Um, that's um, And I'll look into that. Cool. Okay. Well, look, no worries. I wasn't sure if you would, but uh, thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Hussein. Hey. <clears throat> Hi. Hi. I was going to, why do you not include more Yiddish in your works? Just a question. Like Patreon, YouTube, all of that. Just dropping Yiddish here and there. I actually I here and there. use more Yiddish than other people, but uh, yeah. No, I was gonna ask. I mean, I was asking because um, I was I might run into Michael over the over Hanukkah break. I remember Michael who I hit in the face with a soccer ball, and you told me to find it in my heart and apologize. But I told you I did say sorry to him. We just he just thinks I did it on purpose because when I said sorry, I was laughing at the same time. So if I run into the reason I'm asking is I was going to ask him a bunch of media stuff because he works in local media, like writing newspapers and crap. But I was going to ask, should I still write the paper or just avoid him if I run into him during Hanukkah? Why do you say during Hanukkah? Is he like, I don't really get your framing of this. He's 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 Jewish. We went to school together. All right. Does he... Yeah. So I'm I'm obviously going to more than likely going to run into him sometime between here and uh the 25th and then do i still have to do that thing where i like look away and then this awkward moment or shall i just um swallow it and shoot him the email and be like michael if you thought me laughing about um you saving the soccer ball with your face and then bleeding afterwards was um uncalled for i i really do sincerely apologize do i have to do like that because you I said, say apologize to your friend michael i say apologize i don't know like if you with christian friends do you wonder about how to do it like vis-a-vis christmas no, i think they're, you gotta, they're less drop the I, my christian friends i don't hang around my christian friends during christmas we don't, well, we don't do it so only jewish and islamic friends all right well so i, I should i should I, shoot him the email and be like hey i do really apologize michael it was very awful yes. of me to laugh in your face as you were bleeding through with yeah, a soccer I, ball uh, yeah okay well thank you that's 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 what i needed that advice Really appreciate okay. it. Yeah, sure. Great. All right. Well, have a great holiday. You too. If I don't speak to you before. All right. Thanks, Hussein. Yep. All right. Justin. Katie. Hey. So I do believe Brittany Griner, she should probably still be in jail. Maybe not serve in nine years in a Russian penal colony, obviously, but... I feel like at least one or two years would have been suffice 
you know, just well, I, I don't get it. Why are Americans going to Russia? You're going to be treated like a geopolitical chess piece. You're going to try to put some dirt on you to try to get a prisoner exchange like we just did. So I, I don't get I'm not happy that she's home. Honestly, I just wish people would take more accountability and responsibilities for their own actions. Um, but we all know why Joe Biden, the Biden administration, got her out. It was after the midterms. It was you're not wasting too much political capital on it. So they did the deal. But it just it just looks weak. It looks bad. It looks bad. You cut out. I think you're looking at this backwards. I think the point is that people shouldn't be locked up here or there for stuff like that. But that's my opinion. But I didn't silence you. We just can't hear you anymore. Are you there, Dustin? Okay, we'll move on. Uh, William, you are up. Hello, William. Are you there? Uh, William, if you're there, there's a mute button in the bottom left. It should be. And if not, we'll move on to Nowhere Chris. Hello, when you're done speaking, okay. tap here to unmute. Yeah, the unmute Double button goes activate. away. And it's, I'm, I'm, I can't see, so. Anyway. Oh, okay. okay, no worries. You, we yeah, can hear you now. All right. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I missed you last week because I had a doctor's appointment, you know. But anyway, um, I wanted to finish what I started two weeks ago. But the, the last thing I'm going to say about that is just like when I talked about the, you know, the prison population and all of that. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And um, just I want nobody to take my word for anything. Don't take my word for anything. Go to FBI.gov and look at the statistics yourself. All right. And you'll see there's no no justification for the prisons being full of black people like it is. Anyway, I want to shift that conversation to just crime in general. Every time there's a mass shooting in this country, um, especially when ch children are involved, people are all over the streets protesting, you know, you need to do something about these guns, blah, 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 which rightfully so. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a great grandfather. I have 20 great grandchildren. Wow. You know, and I would be devastated if anything happened to them while they were in school or, or anywhere else for that matter. You know, but um, um, we should um, you, you should know people should know nothing's being done about crime in general. It's not just guns. Guns are just the tip of the iceberg. Nobody's doing anything about crime, period. Every time you hear the word crime on the news, the next thing you're going to hear or, you know, like in the next couple of days or whatever, you're going to hear more cops. We're going to hire more cops. We're going to give more money to the police, which does absolutely nothing to mitigate crime. I mean, think about the hiring practices. They get people who are, um, who score low on empathy tests. So you're going to hire people who, you have thousands of people who have little to no empathy you're going to give them a badge, a gun, and qualified immunity to commit whatever crime they want to while they're on duty. And you expect crime to go down. That's insane. That is just pure insanity. Um, and what you have to, what, another thing you have to think about, like, this, like these tough on crime uh, policies. 
Nobody, nobody has ever been tough on crime. What they are is tough on criminals. Mm. And the problem with that, there's two problems with that. First of all, in order to be tough on a criminal, that's, you can only be tough on a criminal after they've committed a crime. So the person who, who are the victim of that crime, <laughs> the tough on crime policy did nothing for them. And the second thing is you have to actually catch the person who did it. Until those two things happen, tough on crime things is irrelevant. And, you know, when they, 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 they call themselves like uh, making the penalty for something twice what it was before and all that kind of stuff, and that does nothing. That does nothing. If you really want to be tough on crime, you need to be getting homeless people off the street. You need to be doing something to improve our school system. You need to be making uh, economic opportunities for people who don't have them. You know what I mean? That's tough on crime. And getting them off the street is by housing, not not putting them in jail. Right, right. Getting them off the street and putting them in the house and like giving them some resources where they can actually do something for themselves and for for society. You know, I mean, we 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 just do things backwards in this country. And it's like the guy just came up and saying that that uh, Brittany Griner should be in in prison here. I mean, for what? Yeah, hard because she had some she had some hashish oil. Now, that's crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I don't you know, I mean, I don't want to talk about the guy. He don't have a, a way to, uh, you know. Anyway, but it, it, I just in my opinion, I, I don't like. I I believe like what you said. He shouldn't. She shouldn't have been in jail there or here. Right. But anyway, that's all I want to say. And oh, I want to say this to Aaron. I read. The Myth of Normal, and I was so impressed with it, I went out and got the book um, uh, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. I'm reading that right now. And I'm going to call in next week, and I'm going to talk about how the revelations that I have found in my own life because of what, what I read in those books. Wow, that's great. And but, um, me, no, that's a, that's uh, Gabor Mate's book. Yeah, yeah I know. I know no, his no, father's no, book. don't know who are listening. They may not know. Yeah, well, that's that's his father. Anyway, right. um, yeah, I want to ask you, Aaron, are you a middle kid? Uh, yes, I am the middle. I am the middle. Well, so yes. am I. Ah, huh. Yeah, because I, I have an older, well, I had an older sister. She's passed away now. And I have an, a younger brother, so I'm in the middle, too. So are you the traditional middle <laughs> kid? Like, are you the, like the mediator in the family or, the, you know, the go-between and all that? I think I'm de- yes. I think I'm definitely a mediator. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, so uh, am I. Like I said, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for letting me spout off my little truths and whatever. And um, I'm very grateful. Uh, William, thank you. We really, really appreciate it, and yeah. I look forward to your next call. So thanks a lot for calling in. And um, that many great grandchildren is very, very impressive. So yeah. uh, happy holidays to you. Yeah, happy holidays to you too. All right, take care. Okay, no work, Chris. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Katie. Hope you guys Good morning. Are Hope you guys are doing well. Hey, Aaron, any uh, any substitute uh, Jimmy Dore fill-in spots coming up? I really liked when you were filling in for him. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I think, ago. I think that's quite possible. I think that's quite oh, possible. Okay. Yeah. 
Sweet. Uh, the other thing, I have a couple things. The other quick thing is, is there any update on a return for Matt? Aaron, I love you. I'm not trying to push you out. I was kind of thinking about this recently, and I was like, if Matt did come back, I hope they kept like a three-way going. We get get like a Katie, Aaron, Matt threesome going. Or is, is Matt kind of moving on to other things? Is there any news on that? Any updates or or still the Aaron and Katie show? You know, I got to get, we got to have a meeting. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, the reason that I clicked call in today was, and I wasn't intending to, I was just going to listen, but somebody mentioned conspiracy theories, and I've been thinking a little bit about some of those and, you know, how they're labeled. Um, you know, certainly a lot of them are, are like Alex Jones style conspiracy theories are, are pretty ridiculous. These false flag ideas there are ridiculous. Um, most of the 9-11 stuff I think is ridiculous, but then the JFK or MLK conspiracy theories, I think, have a lot of merit behind them that certainly with MLK and, and JFK, that the government was behind the deaths and had a, a strong hand in in those uh, assassinations. Um, is it right to call all these different ideas conspiracy theories? Should the things about JFK and, and MLK still be con- called conspiracy theories? Or is it different, like like the moon landing, you know, watching NASA lately trying to get to the moon again, makes you question whether, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers were right when they said uh, space may be the final frontier, but it's made in a Hollywood basement, um, which I think is, is saying that the moon landing was was done on a, a studio in, in, uh, in Hollywood. You know, I think the buildings having stuff, obviously, I think personally is is ridiculous. Um, And most of the 9-11 theories are ridiculous. But certainly, I think there's some room to think about Flight 93. I mean, recall that that was while uh, Dick Cheney was was interim president for a couple hours while George W. Bush was in the air flying back from Florida on 9-11. And I don't think George W. Bush has the balls to shoot down a american commercial plane but i certainly think dick cheney is 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 a a monster enough to shoot down an american airplane um in pennsylvania i i I guess i'm going on and drowning on and i'm saying a lot i guess what conspiracy theories do you guys think are are okay to talk about or or have any uh credence with you and which and should we call some of these things that i think have a lot of merit to them conspiracy theories and lump them in with with other things like false flag bullshit. Uh, some conspiracy theories turn out to be true, and some turn out to be false. And um, I'm when it comes to nine eleven, I'm not a truther. I haven't seen any convincing evidence at all to justify any of the theories that I hear. But I do, I do think that. Um, the, all right, the, there's some noise being made there. Um, I do think that. Okay. Oh, I didn't mean. Oh, that's not him. Is that another caller, maybe? No. So that's not you, Katie, I assume. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes there's a glitch in the app. We're going to bring the other caller back in and see if that helps it. Because sometimes the app will. Thank you, guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, 
the role of Saudi Arabia in uh, on eleven. In yeah, like what they knew, like the fact that their agents, like our officials, were, were were meeting with some of the hijackers. I mean, like all that, I think is worthy of investigation. But. <laughs> I like the music, whoever's playing it. All right. No more, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for the call. We'll see if going on to another caller fixes it. I see, my thing with that is I could see, I don't think it was an inside job, but I could see them maybe ignoring some information. That's my, that's the yeah. furthest I would go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nestor. Nestor, unmute yourself by hitting the mute button at the bottom right yes hello hi um well uh well there's a lot of things going on and uh uh you know where, where to go but uh uh usually like a lot of uh surprisingly a lot of u.s citizens do get arrested around the world and it's not because uh someone's out to get them it's mostly because they're doing crime uh and breaking uh local laws um Sometimes it's because, you know, a lot of people don't really, if they travel, they don't really care to uh, look up the laws of where they're going and what countries they're going to. Um, like uh, uh, for Brittany, you know, because she's famous, uh, she got the chance to, you know, uh, uh, the, a lot of people don't get that. If you break a law, you get to go back home because, uh, you know, what? What? how could she even make a case for herself over there when... Here in the United States, it's illegal to have uh, hemp federally. You can get arrested in the airport still if you have a certain quantity of, of marijuana on you here in the U.S. airport. So it's, you know, it's just all uh, hypocrisy uh, at its finest, I guess. Yeah, again, yeah. I say that I think the, the solution is we shouldn't have draconian laws here or there. And yeah, of course, if she weren't well known, she'd have no recourse. But I still think whenever you can free someone from a draconian prison sentence, that's a plus. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's a plus. I mean, I come from El Salvador. I, I, I trust me, I know, I, I know what the draconian uh, law looks like, uh, especially since I came from there. I visit, I visited, I think last year, and uh, the local cops almost killed me over there. Over. Uh over nothing uh so i got pretty lucky because there was a lot of people around so if uh if i had been in a dark place they might have shot me and said the ms-13 killed me or something (laughs) so yeah all right well thanks for calling in glad that uh you didn't get shot yeah i'm thankful too (laughs) yeah all right thanks nestor all right thank you Okay, uh, Ab, Ab Sullivan. A.B. Sullivan. Hi. Um, it's Hi. really cool to be able to talk to you guys on Colin. Thanks for doing it. Um, I uh, I was just wondering, do you, what do you think, or do the two of you have uh, any opinions on what entitles a people to uh, self-determination and sovereignty? Uh, I mean, look, that's a, uh, it's a, a big, very, yeah, yeah it's, it's a big question. Uh, I mean, like, where are you going with this? Like what, what? I, I, I just, um, I just wondered if there were any specific 
criteria that you think of because it, it's just whatever some... what whatever the framework is under international law i think is sound so whatever is in, enshrined in the u.n charter um you know like not being a legal scholar on the stuff it, it's not something i can really uh expound sure, on sure, but, sure. but but like so what like sure, whatever not. the internationally accepted norm is i'm down with how about that okay all right um uh, okay. Uh, I think I, I just, the, the problem is, um, it's not a problem, but what makes it difficult is, um, it seems like some countries like South Sudan or East Timor, um, end up, uh, getting recognized and then others don't. And, um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's all in the UN charter and they're just countries that, many that should be recognized and some that don't but um or that should I mean, yeah not. i mean like like what is the concrete example that you're thinking of where you see a where you have a a a issue well i think i, I the, the, that's one of the reasons i was curious about how you uh, how either of you or both of you think about it is because there are, it, i it, it can be very difficult um and so there's a um, it, and it comes up all over the world. So whether you're talking about Taiwan, whether you're talking about North or South Korea, whether you're talking about uh, Xinjiang or uh, you know uh, East East Turkestan or Uyghurstan, um, and and then other uh, numerous other places, Kosovo. Um, the um, so. It, 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 it's something that keeps coming up. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so I think I know where you're going with this, you know, so people have the right to self-determination, but also states have the right to avoid foreign interference. So if, for example, a self-determination struggle is being used by a foreign state to interfere, then the state that's being interfered with has the right, I think, to resist that, that interference. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I'm, that makes sense to me. So, but it's, you know, but for example, um, you know, Palestinians, they have the right to self-determination, but where is it? They've been displaced and occupied for, you know, more than 70 years now. So it's just, yes. um, uh, uh, so every case has to be looked at individually. But um, right now there's a, t for example, in Ukraine, there's a tension now between, um, you know, ethnic Russians. They deserve to have the right to have their, cultural rights respected and they haven't been there have been attempts to ban the russian language there's been a crackdown on russian culture inside ukraine for the last eight years i mean yes yeah more than that but so you know do they have the right to self-determination well it's tough because they're inside ukraine's sovereign borders no matter what you think about those borders and you know these these used to be a part of russia a long time ago but now they're ukraine's sovereign borders so how do you how do you resolve that i think if you have an internationally supervised referendum uh, inside those areas, which we haven't had yet. And the majority votes for self-determination and they can make a credible case before you know, international bodies that their cultural rights are being oppressed that I think they would have a good case, but um, that, you know, would require a lot of steps. And, you know, Ukraine as a state has the right, I think, to basically offer people their the chance to have their basic rights and if they do then i think ukraine's just have to be respected oh okay sure yeah um
thank you. Uh, that that's um, that, that's a good example of uh, a current uh, issue where these this principle comes into play. So th- thank you okay, very much. Thank you. Thank you. And if we have no more callers, then we're going to have to wrap it up. So if people have any more to say, please jump in the queue. Don't be shy. Yeah. It's, don't be shy. it's Monday morning. Oh, we got another. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, yeah. We have one. Yeah. Don't be shy. The, the week is just getting started. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, we got uh, a bunch of calls now. Okay. So. We're going to skip Tariq for now because we heard from you. So we want to give Rich, Joe, and V a chance to talk. Hi, Rich. Hello, Katie. Hello, Matt. It's Aaron. Oh, I keep forgetting. Sorry, Aaron. I uh, no worries at all. All right. Also, I great song. Say, great song by Michael McDonald. I keep called. I keep forgetting. Mm. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Um, we're, okay. we're not that old. We're yeah. not that old, brother. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was calling in regards to. Um, I had a recent. I was, I, was, I was watching old Jimmy Dore, and Jimmy was talking about Ryan Grimm and um, his placation of the uh, Democratic Party, particularly with the uh, the conciliation, or they basically capitulated with the and opposed the workers' union in a in a pretty or the railroad union in a pretty uh, devastating move that they made. Um, do you get? I mean. As as a group of what the, what you guys call yourself leftist uh, journalists and, and commentators and this that and the other, is this how do you guys check each other like we we have an obvious way they check each other at the Washington Post if you're outside the orthodoxy you're probably going to be removed or chastised or dealt with um, how do you deal with somebody like Ryan Grimm or do you even attempt to well look. I think a good rule is, is not to get involved in other people's squabbles. So, you know, Ryan Graham and Jimmy Dore have been squabbling for a long time. And I only get involved when I'm directly implicated. And, um, you know, I've disagreed with Ryan before. Um, and uh, we've had exchanges on Twitter and elsewhere. But, um, look, I, I still, even if I disagree with his views, I still see him as a someone who works very hard and does journalism I think is important. And, um so I, if I see him, if I see him say something where I'm, you know, where I have a stake, I'll, 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 I'll disagree, but I don't, you know, go with the whole thing of just, of just canceling people and dismissing them and painting them with one broad stroke. Mm. Uh, even if I, even if I disagree with them a lot, which, you know, I can say with Ryan, I mean, yeah, I've definitely had times when, when I disagree with them. And on this current issue of the rail strike, I, I haven't followed what the debate is. I, I know that he did an episode with Kashava Sawant recently on Brianna's yeah. podcast, yeah. and there was a debate about that, but I, I haven't seen it. And, um, you know, uh, like on the rail strike, it, it's it's tough. Like, uh, and it seems to be that the rail workers themselves were, were split. That, um, and, I, I personally was uncomfortable with, um, look, I mean, there's like, they had very limited, like after Biden screwed them over, they really had limited options left. 
And so I can understand why someone would make the case, as, as I think Ryan was doing, for why they should try to see if they can maybe, maybe, maybe get votes for sick days. Because they really had no – because, like, once Biden says they have to go back to work, then they would face huge penalties for striking. And who's going to back them up? Like, they'd be on their own if they – like, to, to, to do a wildcat strike would be really, really dangerous for them and their livelihoods. Um, because of the laws that exist about the railways. So I think it was Biden that deserves primarily our our anger. And I don't, like, you know, without you, knowing all the but, Yeah. But Aaron, I mean, he's laying cover for something that should have been an obvious, like the squad alone should have been, this This should have been a, a, a rallying cry and the squad basically capitulated like they always do. And the late called Ryan out, and I think appropriately, as he was setting up a straw man and constructing a, an argument that shouldn't he shouldn't even be trying to construct. And I find that problematic. And I'm not saying to censor or, but, um, you know, I, the Jimmy Dore's got a beef with everybody. That's not our problem. But I think when you see something like that, I think it's almost imperative that that the left point that out and say, well, maybe this guy's not a, a good actor. Correct? Or not? Well, I, I just don't want, you know, like I judge people on what they put out and I see Ryan doing reporting that I think is, is important. Now he, he look, his, his views, uh, I often don't agree with and I've sparred with him and look, for example, when he joined the, the, the fake me too campaign against Jimmy, I absolutely called him out for that. Cause that was ridiculous. Like when, when basically when the young Turks smeared me and then they like by calling me a Russian agent and then they doubled down because they got embarrassed by accusing Jimmy of sexual harassment, which was just so ridiculous. He joined in on that. And I thought that, you know, so I, you know, obviously I had to challenge him on that and other things. Well, but I just, um, I, I think it's okay. You know, like when you have unions or union members who share your perspective, as I think Ryan can, can lay claim to, then I, I just think it's it's a question we have to just debate it, and I'm not going to cancel him for having having a point of view that that uh, that that might be wrong. And look, um, I uh, people who ran cover for the squad on Ukraine, for example, where I think it's so much more clear what the answer is that like you just cannot. How can you justify voting for tens of billions of dollars to fund the proxy war? I, I absolutely think you know like that was worthy of to me of being called out. But on this issue, I just see a disagreement on a very tough issue. But fundamentally, again, I think the blame starts with Biden who sold out the workers by forcing them to go back to work. And after he made that decision, there's, there was really, I don't see what, like I, I, but but I don't get uh, is what Congress could have done differently at that point, because they have to go back to work no matter what. The only other thing they can do is do a wildcat strike. But then you're basically asking a bunch of people to lose their jobs. Um, so I just don't know what the answer was after Biden forced them to go back to work. Okay. Well, uh, like I said, I I disagree. I think I don't think we we're going to make any headway there. But um, thanks. Okay. Thanks for the call. Uh, Joe. Hey. Uh, Hi there. Hello. Uh, so just calling in because, you know, towards the end, everyone was 
kind of wrapping things up, but um, I understand you guys binged White Lotus. I haven't been watching any of that, but uh, what else have you guys been consuming for media that is, you know, a distraction from the impending apocalypse we got? <laughs> well, as I mentioned on one recent um, Useful Idiots, I do. I'm a big fan of the Dollop podcast. Um, in terms of shows, I did watch, it's a little corny, but I did watch Only Murders in the Building. Not proud of that. Um, what else? You know, I watched this, it was a little, so I'm often late to the game, uh, but I did watch the new, uh, the new as in like a year or two old, um, Harry Mason. I really like that. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, the only, I've only seen White Lotus yeah, in terms of shows. And uh, just because, you know, everybody who I know was just talking mm. about it endlessly, so I just figured I would I would give in. And, uh, and I, oh, I did watch Better Call Saul, uh, the, the most recent season, and I thought that was great. But otherwise, it just just sports. And I have not, I have not started on Better Call Saul, and I been putting that off a number of others. Did you watch Breaking Bad? I did. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. So if you watch Breaking Bad, then you know it's definitely worth. It's definitely worth the time. Absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. I've yeah. um. And that weird picture they made with Jesse's character. Oh yeah, about that. Sorry about the dog. The two things I've been binging are uh, that I think are worth mentioning are. Um, Always JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's a weird one. What's it called? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's a anime that started like 35 years ago, and it's strange as hell, but really endearing. Hmm. Um, and then can't wait for Glass Onion to come out on streaming. That oh, looks awesome. That's uh, by the the same people who did what's that movie? Um. Knives Out. Knives Out. Ryan and Daniel Craig playing like a frumpy southern guy. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sold. But All right. that's well, it for me. <laughs> I started um, Amsterdam and I really couldn't get into it. Um, yeah. There's too much content. There's too much content. Uh, William, we are going to skip you for now because we have other callers who haven't called in yet. But... Um... If we don't get to you again today, I really hope you will call back again next week. We just want to get to everybody who hasn't called yet. So, Schnarf, go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I wanted to actually expand on Rich's point. And I, I, I think there's some level of, I think, a disconnect in left media as it relates to poor and class people because the vast majority of people who are in the left media space have a distance from the people who are working who are the working poor who are the poor who are the people who are in prisons there's a severe disconnect and the voices that are the most popular tend to be out of you know the more of, of, of the upper middle class and middle class there's a real difference between you guys and let's say a Maximilian Alvarez or a lot of people. And I think there has to be a little bit more diversity in the voices that are the loudest, meaning that there should be more people that are, that are tangent 
in, in a in a in a real life way to people. You know, I have family that is in prison. I have friends that are in prison. I have a lot more proximity to an issue than I feel like a lot of the voices that are the loudest that are talking about criminal justice reform. And I think that disconnect resonates in in why the left isn't really coalescing. I think there has to be a broader coalition of voices. And then it just, I think one of the, the hurdles is that I'm not a writer. And if I try, I, I you know, it's gonna, it's gonna look like shit. But at the same time, it'll still be more authentic because it, it has that. And I don't think there's enough of a space for new voices. Like, I love listening to you. Aaron, I think you have, a, you have an astounding and astute observation as it relates to Syria. I think your opinions on, on Russia are, are, and, and Ukraine, I agree with you. Katie, I love the way you interview people and you engage people. But I, I feel like a disconnect sometimes when I listen because I don't feel like, I don't feel like there, there's, a, there's a kind of um, understanding or, or, or recognition of, of, of life as it relates to my experience. Or maybe as, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just a mutant where I, where I feel that way. It's not that I resent you or hate you or I think you're, 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 you're insidious or nefarious. I just feel like there has to be some kind of a way to get more people to share their opinions in an authentic way. And I don't know if you guys have an idea for that, but I think it's time that we do that because it seems like there's less and less voices and they all coalesce in one place. Hmm. Well, listen, I, I mean, I, I think uh, you're right. There is sort of a class dynamic going on in the media field. If you look at not just in the lefty media, but, you know, establishment media too, it's a lot of people who went to, um, you know, private schools and, and Ivy League schools. And uh, that's who, like, that's who this field kind of attracts. And there is kind of a, a an inherent bias there, an inherent disconnect. Um, I, uh, you know, we try to feature marginalized voices on this show and the other stuff we do. And I mostly cover foreign policy. So I don't claim to be, I don't, I don't want to be a pundit and I don't claim to be a pundit and I don't claim to speak for anybody. And I don't claim to be um, the voice of the voiceless. I just try to focus on what our government is doing abroad against uh, powerless people abroad. And that's what I try to focus on. And um, I understand what you're saying about feeling as if the people you listen to are, are not rooted in the, in the struggles of most everyday people. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, um, you mentioned Max Alvarez, who we had on recently on Useful Idiots, and uh, he's someone who is, you know, like his beat is covering workers and labor action. And so that's a place you can go to get those those kinds of voices. Um, so the, those options do exist. And but I agree with you that, that there should be more. I mean, I also I have a, I think that the it's important to have more representation and stuff. But, you know, Max used to be conservative Max Alvarez. I'm not outing him. So I, I think there's some limits to the, uh, some limits to the, what is it called? Um, I can't remember the term, but where it's all about, uh, your personal background. Crap. What is it called? Brianna talks about this. So, um, we just something need, I can't, remember. if there was a way to add kerosene to the fire, which is the, 
I call it the, the dissident circle, right? And, and we have a broad range of people. It just needs to be a little bit broader. So how do we add more kerosene to the fire without ending up on some kind well, of an FBI you know, watch list? And this is something that people don't like to hear, but you know, it's not like everyone who is uh, suffering economically has radical politics. I think people make that assumption and that mistake that, like, I if you're suffering, they but have a I, radical position. But the only people, the only way to change that is to have the voices that are that are that are somewhat tangent to them bring it up. I I think I think there's a lot of false consciousness that exists on the part of the working class where you you sure. do everything to substantiate your existence and everything you do because the last thing you want to do is realize that you've been lying to yourself working a 9 to 5 that doesn't pay shit, right? And yeah. I, I think we need a way to have that. Uh, and I don't know if there's a forum for that or a way to contribute and all the ones that I've seen are so marginalized and small. There's gotta be a way to just add that kerosene. And I, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm making a suggestion, and you don't have to listen to me. I mean, there's a hundred million voices, but if there's a way to fan that fire on your part, you guys should definitely. Yeah, I don't know. What, I mean, I'm open to your suggestion. I don't. I hear that you're addressing a problem, which is definitely there, but I'm not sure how to do that. So, if you have any ideas. I, I wish I did. I, I you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but you know, I think I think you know who you should have on and you should talk to. I don't know if you if you've done this, but Kali Akuno, like he's pretty cool. I think that's that's a way to really get through to to the working class, especially the the the, the poorest of the poor in the American South. I think the more coverage there is and the more discussion, that's that's like. That's the kerosene, I think. And I think maybe there should be just more of a, a, a discussion on, on what the kerosene is and how we can do that. I mean, I, I, I just don't know. Sometimes I feel like I listen to people speak and, and it, it, it's in my ear, but then I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm missing it. And I, sorry, just venting. That's okay. All right. Well, it's, yeah, no, we're not arsonists, but, uh, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. We'll fit. We'll try to put our heads together. Okay. But thank you, Schnarf. Oh, we got a lot more callers. All right. Thanks, Schnarf. Uh, Jabril. And then Philip. And then do we hear from William? Hey, hey Monday going? morning after party. That's it. <laughs> this is the after party. Come on, man. We got to change the tone. <laughs> yeah, let's get yeah party. Um, yeah. Uh, so how are you two? Good. Good. I hope. Yeah. Good. You? I'm good. I'm good. Katie, you got to continue the hand gestures. It's always fun to watch as oh. you uh, make people yeah, fun Monday of people's. Party. Was that on Monday morning or in general? Or? Yeah, when you're when, when you're um, mimicking oh, their yeah. uh, hand gestures and their you know excitable manner, which they can right. get uh, passionately politic, 
political on there. That's that's yeah. pretty funny. Um, hey, uh, I know this has been. It seems like today has been like um, plug for Jimmy Dore Day or something. But uh, I guess I'm gonna add to it. Whitney Webb is a guest he had on. She's a journalist. She uh, wrote a two part book series. It's called uh, yeah. It's called um, the United or. Uh, what is it called here? Uh, I have it. One Nation Under Blackmail. Yeah. If you haven't read it, if you don't know. So I was watching that and it and something kind of hit me. It was like a burgeoning epiphany uh, when they were discussing, you know, the CIA, the links between them and organized crime and how how what they're doing to Julian Assange. Um, it's like not a one-off, um, at all. It's, uh, if anything, it's, it's, um, you know, a, a long time practice. Um, so my epiphany though was, uh, that there's nothing any of us can do. And I know that sounds grim, but I mean, really, when you try, especially as like, um, you know, without a group of people, I feel like individuals try and they're just destroyed in one form or another. For instance, people who blackmailed, um, you know, uh, powerful persons uh, around World War II days, um, Kennedy days, uh, so on and so on. Hey, what's the kid's name who got killed uh, over there in Bloomingdale neighborhood? Um, that's it. I know you all are from, well, it's in D.C. What's his name? Uh, he was like part of WikiLeaks or or he was supposedly um, tied into uh, the leaks, the email leaks. He was killed. It's an unsolved murder. I'm not sure. Um, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I can't remember the kid's name. Oh, it was Seth Rich. That's oh, it. yeah, that's why I was confused. Yeah, Wrong. yeah, and and they also spoke about like the ties with the Clintons, the Ron Brown thing, how he was supposedly committed suicide, or there was a plane crash, but they found a gunshot. Hole. I just feel like every time, you know, I don't know, people speak against the deep state, quote unquote, um, the military industrial complex. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, they will not let anything change. I feel like that's why the squad sold out, you know, uh, how people, I think Brianna Joy Gray spoke about like, or a guest she had on said something about, uh, um, how Nancy probably, <laughs> pulled them up when they first got in and was like, here, take my number. We'll talk, yada, yada, yada. I feel like everyone, that's what people are worried about, being assassinated or just having their lives destroyed, career-wise, whatever, you know? Like, you'll never work again if you continue to make so much noise. Like, it doesn't work this way in the system. You got to, you know, quote-unquote strategize, which is BS. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jabril. Always great to hear from you. <laughs> okay. All right. All righty.
All right, we got two more calls and then we're wrapping. Philip, then case study. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, hi. Cool. Um, so uh been listening to both of you for a long time, like your style, like all that. Uh I just wanted to uh clarify. I, I'm I'm a union rep uh out here in Michigan and I paid a lot of attention to the rail uh railway incident with uh Congress okay. and all. And I, I totally agree that Biden is the initial to blame because he didn't need to um, force that on them and get Congress to pull it up. But also the squad and progressives, they didn't need to vote yes on the initial bill to vote yes on the uh, seven day uh, sick days. And some, uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Sanders, I think, uh, voted that way and a no yes on it. And uh, Rashida Tlaib, I believe, did. And uh, I think that was really the sticking point that was being kind of danced around in a lot of these uh, conversations was that people were often conflating the two as, as the same thing, saying that you had to vote for the uh, strike breaking to get the seven days you didn't it was going to pass anyways uh there, there was nothing anybody could do about that but it would have ha uh, been a good way for the squad and progressives to save face and uh show solidarity with uh workers and i know uh uh sorry uh God, what's his name uh we are talking about them earlier. Uh, Ryan Grimm? Uh, yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, he said that the um, the guys that went on Chapo's Trap House said that um, they wanted politicians to vote that way, to vote yes, yes. And they didn't say that. I, I listened to that uh, twice all the way through to make sure. They didn't say that they should vote yes on the union breaking part. They said that they wanted them to vote yes specifically on the seven day. And I haven't heard any union member say that somebody should vote yes on particularly the strike breaking part of it. And I, I, as a union member, I can totally see why that would be upsetting though. It is the government's right to, um, break railway workers. Unfortunately they shouldn't and, and progressives should never take part in such actions. So, sorry, just to clarify. So, what are you saying that they should have? What was the vote that they should have? So, there were there were two votes. There was the initial uh, because uh, Pelosi and um, Biden is is the rumor uh, worked together and said that they would not put the two bills together. So, they could have had the seven days, um, sick days in the initial TA, the tentative agreement. Uh, which is just uh, forcing that contract on the workers. Um, so I, what I'm saying is because they split it, uh, progressives should have never voted for the tentative agreement, which outlawed railway workers from uh, striking in this particular situation, which they had worked hard not to anyways. They worked very hard to, to keep everything moving. Um, but of course, they should have voted for the second portion of it, the split portion, 
the seven day work week because if it's going to be shoved down everybody's throat anyways at least fight for that they chose not to for some reason most of them right why do you think that is uh outside of a possible backroom deal I honestly have no idea what it would be. Um, maybe, because I, I know some of these um, votes are so long, they get them in so, such short period of time that they don't actually read them. And uh, they don't quite understand. Like, it, it took me a couple years uh, being a union representative to really understand uh, everything that was going on. And I think maybe they just don't have enough experience with... Um, contracts and and uh, the negotiations involved to understand it maybe they didn't understand what the people from those unions if they did talk to them you have to talk to the specific uh um local that that contract is regarding if you if you speak to a a different union just because those people are union members that doesn't mean that they really fully understand what's in the contract or what they want and it's totally up to those members that the contract is regarding um, to democratically vote and then whatever that vote is, however that comes out, that's normally what the union does. Right. Well, thanks for your insight into this. Yeah, no problem. I just want it to be a little bit more clear. I've noticed there's a lack of clarity in the the difference between those votes in pretty much every conversation online. <clears throat> okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you all. All right. Well, this is our final caller for today. Thanks so much everyone for joining us. Let's hear from case study QB, who everyone should follow on Twitter. Hey, what's going on, Katie and Aaron? Much love to you. Much love to the chat. How you all doing? Good. You? Yeah, good, good. I just had some issues with my computer, so I haven't been able to post until today. So I just want to let everybody know, please check out the account on Twitter. I just did a uh, a clip dump <laughs> of uh, um, all the, some of the clips that you guys already covered. I saw you covered um, Bernie Sanders, but something that I, I didn't see um, on your show was uh, Pamela Jayapal um, was there on Saturday. And I just posted um, some clips from her, one saying that she trusts. Kristen Cinema <laughs> to be well, a woman of a word, oh you know, God. as far as like continuing to vote with the Democrats, you know, that's pretty sad. Go ahead, Katie. No, no, terrible moment. I just said. Oh, totally, totally. And one question I want to ask you all, and please uh, forgive me if you talked about it uh, earlier in this clip or on the show. Uh, did you guys cover Peru in that like coup d'état? No, okay. Okay, if if you do, I would love to know um, if you do co- plan on covering it, or if you're um, you did cover it somewhere. I would love to get both of y'all opinion on the whole Peru situation. Can I ask you, Aaron? Uh, do you have any opinion on it right now? Um, I only have seen what what uh, you know, like the basics. That, um, but it sounds mm-hmm. like. I know that um, there's an entrenched right wing inside Peru that has been very hostile to Castillo Mm -hmm. since he got elected and, you know, forced out, I think, initially when he was was elected, they basically forced out his foreign minister who was pretty progressive. And so I I wouldn't be surprised that this is a traditional just uh, right wing attempt to undermine an elected 
candidate who they think is too um, progressive or left wing. And that's just it's just so common. And and you know whatever side the U.S. is on, and this is probably the wrong side <laughs> if history is any side. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, I you know, I, it's not. I don't have any detailed knowledge. Uh, I haven't. I'm just. I'm. 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 I'm running a book right now and. Uh, about Russiagate and Ukraine war. And that's just pretty much what I'm more. And, and uh, so like that, and aside from Syria is pretty much what I'm focused on. So Ooh. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't tell you more than that. No, nah, no worries. I, it's just, it's just um, hard to find. Like I, I clipped a mainstream media clip of when it first happened and the way they spend it, of course, is the, the corporate way, which they said that the, the current president was trying to take over Congress and trying yes. to dissolve Congress yeah. And because of that, he got kicked out and that was right. it. Wow. And and even one of um, my Twitter followers was like, why are you putting this out there? I'm like, do you understand what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to show you all, expose yeah. how mainstream media covers these type of things. So, but yeah. um, I, I saw Democracy Now! had a, a Peruvian reporter that had more insight. And that, that's probably where I got a majority of my insights. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I would go. point people to that to get any um, a different side other than mainstream media. And the, the last thing I'll say, thank you again for having me on. Um, I'm working on with other uh, uh, initiative called the Mutual Aid Political Party. I just launched the website is mutualaidparty.org. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, here's another third party initiative. Um, this is totally different. I promise it's, it's uh, literally a grassroots um, I heard the best way Nick from Re Revolutionary Blackout Network, I think he has the best description of it is basically it's an organization that brings orgs that do mutual aid together, mm. but then they just happen to run people for office and they just happen to be, more, you know, do systemic change like political ballots and stuff like that. So the idea is to mainly build community through mutual aid and then you just happen to find leaders within that community to run for office. So um, uh, thanks for letting me plug that real quick. And we're going to try to launch early next year. But this is just, you just go to the site now to put your email in and to find out more information. But we're hoping to launch next year. Thank you so much, Katie. And Aaron. you guys have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This was great. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. And we'll see you next time.